This is Sarah Bordeaux, and you are listening to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. On this episode, we're bringing you a huddle from our sister publication, Adventure Park Insider. As states begin to reopen, many aerial adventure operations are scrambling to get staff ready for the upcoming season and looking to digital training to help get staff up to speed. The question is, with those highly physical frontline roles, where do you even start? We'll kick it off here with Sam and Adventure Park Insider publisher, Olivia Rowan. Thank you all for joining us today for our Adventure Park Insider huddle. Uh, I'm Olivia Rowan, the publisher of Adventure Park Insider, and um, co-hosting with Sarah Badeev, who's our associate editor. Uh, we have much to talk about, so let's get started uh, with uh, ACCT's policy director, Scott Andrews. He and his team have been working to gather resources to help the industry navigate the current um, pandemic crisis and all the aftermath and protocols. So Scott, can you update us on what ACCT is working on right now? I sure can, Olivia. Thanks for the opportunity. We're, um, we're con- shift- continuing with our think tank um, presentations where we're bringing upwards of 60 people together to talk about various issues around reopening. Um, we're making a little pivot uh, next week. We'll be pivoting to how do I actually do this instead of and what has been successful for folks. We are also um, beginning to work really hard on a set of of resources for folks on how do we pivot to doing digital trainings for vendors or for sites that are large enough to have a digital need for their um, staff training. And that's gonna be the next thing that's gonna be coming out of our, um, our process. Really excited about that. Excellent, thanks Scott. So today we're going to be talking about digital training and the global pandemic has created a need for some aspects of our business to make a digital transformation. Uh, Staff training is one such opportunity, though there are certainly challenges with bringing what is traditionally in-person training to the virtual world. So we're happy to welcome our panelists today. We have uh, Ingo Albrecht and Chad Kurlowski from Be A Better Guide as well as Paul Tallner from High Peaks Group. So we're gonna be starting our conversation uh, with Ingo and Chad. Uh, Ingo and Chad are from Be Your Better Guide. They offer online training for tour guides and tour businesses. You know, obviously transitioning to an online training program is challenging, especially for an industry that has some very physical frontline roles that have traditionally done training in person. So, and this is something that has been brought up several times um, over the past weeks as the situation with the COVID-19 pandemic has evolved. So hoping that you guys can walk us through the steps to getting started with online training. Absolutely. Uh, So my name is Ingo. Nice to see all of you. I've been part of a few of these calls. So it's uh, really nice to be here on the other side and, and hopefully give back some valuable information. Uh, Scott, we, we hear you. I think a lot of people are really looking at the opportunity of doing digital training as it's probably now more important than it has been in the past. We don't know what's going to be happening with social distancing in the future. Uh, for many of you, maybe the opening dates are kind of unknown and you want to make sure you're hitting the ground running uh, when your teams and your staff uh, become uh, are able to come back on site. And so uh, Chad and I are really excited to share some of the information with you. I'll let Chad introduce himself here, but um, yeah, my name is Ingo. I'm with the Be A Better Guide Project and the Online Tourism Academy. Hey, everybody. Uh, yep, yeah, my name is Chad Kraluski. Um, uh, just a bit about my background. I kind of, I'm 
come from uh, being an, an experienced tour guide, uh, a general manager, operations management, uh, a trainer, uh, of course, and and then consulting for for uh, many tour businesses as well. So uh, I've been, you know, happy to have been developing you know world class training uh, programs and kind of leading with global teams. Uh, for big op global operators such as G Adventures, Intrepid Group, um, and then also consulting for many, you know, small, medium-sized local businesses as well. So, one of the big things that it, that I think we really believe in is empowering people to be your differentiator um, and building a company and a culture in that company that attracts the right people, um, both internally and externally. And so, our online training that we uh, that we offer. Um, has quickly become kind of the normal um, in the industry. And I think you've seen that with many other uh, programs uh, and platforms that there's all kinds of courses online that are being offered, but even more so now uh, in our recent times, has it really become clear that it's going to play a much, uh, a much bigger role than ever before. And so we know so many of you are probably new to this. You've done your training traditionally in person and you're wondering, how do I even get started with this online training? So today we want to talk about a few different things. First, we want to talk about what we actually mean by digital training, what is included in digital training. We also want to talk about why you should consider digital training. For some of you, that might be very obvious, uh, but for others, you might still be thinking, I'm not so sure if it's worth it. We've been doing this in person. It's worked great. Uh, so we're going to tell you some of uh, the reasons we believe it might be important to transition at least part of your training online. Uh, we also want to talk to you about how you go about designing an online training program, how you can map out that content, how you can host that content, what type of different formats you can use to produce online training content. And then finally, we'll give you some examples of what this could look like when it's done. Uh, so without, without further ado, Dad, I'll pass it on to you and we get started. Cool. All right, so getting started with online training. So Chad shared a presentation walking through some of these steps. You can download the deck and follow along at www.adventureparkinsider.com slash huddle. So what do we want you to walk away with uh, after this session? Really to just kind of make it, make it obvious that really anybody can do this. It's not, um, uh, yes, there's always going to be challenges with kind of moving um, any part of your business in a new direction whatsoever. Uh, but really what we see is, and, and what you want, we want you to kind of realize uh, is that you, you, many people are already doing this as well too. Some way, some form, a lot of the world has gone digital uh, and online in many ways. And so you'll, you'll realize or hopefully re see quickly that uh, you may not have a full full blown online training program, but you're already offering some form of training uh, or knowledge and learning uh, via uh, digital uh, platforms and and digital ways. So we'll talk about some of the benefits, the tools and tech uh, that's involved with it, and then really how to how to get started. So we also definitely want to end with um, showing you some live examples of like what we've created um, ourselves for our customers and clients, but also what. Um, we've helped other businesses to create for their own business um, in, in a custom sense. So what do we mean by online training specifically, just so we kind of start there? Uh, it's really any form of digital content. So like I was saying, anything that can be consumed uh, for the purpose of learning uh, that is online. It could be you know, uh, Word docs, PDFs, uh, Excel sheets, a lot of that stuff already is existing online with uh, Google and, and other cloud-based uh, platforms, all the photos, videos, images, you know, slideshow presentations like we're doing right now um, could be live and or recorded uh, versions of that stuff. 
um, even email. Uh, you, you look at newsletters. Newsletters are incredibly inf information transfer and, and, and offering uh, for people nowadays. That's been happening for a long time, and I'm sure many of you are, are already doing it or a part of it. Um, social media, of course, huge. Uh, people reading blogs, articles, again, whether they're internal or being used for training purposes. Um, resource sites, uh, many companies we see nowadays have a, a how-to, an FAQ, um, you know, digital version where, where people can access them from, from anywhere, anytime. Uh, online quizzes, assignments, surveys, and, and especially what we get asked for often is, well, once people do these things and they are learning, how do we know that they've actually ingested the content and, and can deliver on it or that they understand it? So performance uh, and, and, and evaluation. Uh, and there's many more forms, but just wanted to kind of give you some very simple examples um, of what that is. Um, so what are some reasons why you uh, should move some of your training? And that, we say should move some of your training because uh, it, we, d we don't really think that it's necessary to always move uh, everything uh, to online. Uh, there's, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but there's definitely some reasons for it. So. Uh, Great reason why, you know, it's one place for all your learning needs. You can really drive all of your staff um, and people to, to one, one source um, that's online and be able to manage that uh, fairly effectively. Um, so it's not this confusion, uh, you know, uh, confusing array or web of, of, you know, books and papers and uh, manuals that are all over the place and, and giving them, you know, a big stack of paper. You can really train anywhere at any time that's you know we get a lot of uh, people asking us to uh, be you know can can my staff be trained before they even arrive on site and get started and absolutely yes um, they can even train and mix in person and online at the same time uh, but the, the key point being that it's anywhere anytime uh, you can learn from the best I mean you look at some of the webinars and workshops you've probably been to online uh, already uh, but you can invite people to be a part of that experience that are not don't need to be there in person. Uh, you don't have to spend all that, uh, all the cost to fly people in and have them be there digitally uh, or online can be a great way to, um, to bring in knowledge experts. So always be learning is one of our, uh, our mantras. Uh, we believe that people should, you know, just because you get trained once, that, that that's not where it ends. Uh, learning is really like an, on, an ongoing life uh, uh, thing that you should be doing. So always be learning is, is really something we try to strive to put into all of our programs and, and, and what we offer people. Um, it can help with easy onboarding, give you consistency, um, and put people on brand. So a lot of challenges we see are people not being able to, you know, being able to expl uh, explain the company they work for, the brand that they work for, their customers and clients and who they are, all in a very similar way, uh, consistency. Um, it can be very cost effective to move your training online. Um, once you put it online, it's, there's not really a whole lot of cost other than, you know, maybe a monthly charge for, uh, uh, for hosting it um, or for whatever platform it is. And usually those are either free and or, you know, a hundred, hundred bucks a month, which is nothing in comparison to uh, many of the in-person uh, training costs uh, that, that we all know of. Um, so it can be a big time saver. And you can keep it up to date. A lot of documents get out of date. Printed things get out of date very quickly. Uh, when things are online, you update it once and everybody gets the, the newest version uh, right then and there. 
uh, there's no need to, you know, to come into the office or have to go and uh, find it in person. Uh, we find it really uh, online training can empower your staff, give them the tools to learn at their own pace, at their own time, um, and really put it uh, on demand. It doesn't have to be um, a scheduled type thing. You can give them much more flexibility. So uh, I think all in all is what we want, what we want to say here is that uh, some of your training can move online, uh, but it doesn't have to be all of it because it can complement a lot of your in-person training as well too. It doesn't have to fully replace it. So uh, what can, what are, some, what are some things that should be trained online? Um, uh, so we think profit, definitely processes, procedures, and best practices, things that are fairly consistent and you want someone to do X, Y, Z all the time. Um, it, often we see in live training, in-person training, that something gets explained to someone uh, and then, you know, it gets it gets gobbled up and lost in a lot of other things that they're learning, especially new people coming on board. Um, so if you want something done all the time consistently, they can go back and learn this online and see it again and again and again and uh, and, and reference it. Uh, things like itineraries, routes, scripts, uh, any training that has to do with uh, with systems um, or platforms or online things, uh, very helpful. There's always tutorials in those types of things. Um, Training manuals, <laughs> great thing. Instead of somebody printing it off all the time and putting it in their backpack or taking, you know, in their briefcase, uh, being able to access it on your mobile at anywhere, anytime uh, is really, really helpful. You can put FAQs uh, online, description of, descriptions of your, your products and programs, uh, things that you're offering to your clients and guests. You can really kind of explain them a lot better in um, online than you can in printed form, obviously. Many perfect example is how much time and effort you put into your website. Um, policies, procedures, most of that stuff is already online for people, um, but not maybe not for your staff. Uh, certification programs, uh, putting in facts, stories, things that you want your staff to be able to explain to, to your guests during, during that experience uh, is great to have avail available and in a mobile form. Um, we see hard skills being trained. Uh, as well as soft skills. We actually focus mainly on soft skills within the programs we offer, um, but we help clients create custom uh, training programs for them that might include uh, their hard skills uh, that they need to learn uh, and people do. So you see that online with YouTube videos um, very often, but, the, but, um, but this is a, a, a way for you to do it in, in how you want to, in your, like with your actual uh, uh, procedures. So things that you, what should you train in person? Anything that you really want to have a in-person connection, uh, a lot of those things would be like challenge courses and a team, you know, team bonding moments uh, where trust related activities um, and team building are, are, are obviously things that you may want to keep uh, in person um, that can't always be done effectively or in the same manner and get the same outcome uh, as you would in person. So uh, those are definitely things that you should be training and keeping in person, but we like to say, you know, online training can definitely complement. Going back to the hard skills versus soft skills training, I know one of the major concerns for a lot of folks in this industry is, you know, specifically related to things like rescues and some of those kind of uh, intensive physical things. How would you recommend that people look at utilizing online training to help that process um, and help you know their guides learn some of those harder skills that you know 
are going to end up being uh, end up with some online or in person training, but to maybe speed up and complement the process. Absolutely, I think one of the keys is um, experience. There's nothing online that will be able to truly um, mimic experiential learning. You know, there's nothing better than them actually doing a rescue and, and experiencing rescue and, and seeing the stress and uh, learning from that experience. But what you can do ahead of that is like uh, Chad talked about, you can show them videos, for example, of here are this, or PDF, let's say, of the steps you have to take when there's an emergency. Step one, you know, uh, call nine, whatever it is for your business and, and what you're specifically looking for, there are procedures in place that your staff could know before they arrive on site. Similarly, you can show them videos so they can see, okay, here's what you'll actually be doing with the person, the equipment, um, with uh, the rest of the group, if it's a group uh, experience. There, there are so many things that you and your trainers already know how to do when they're training this in person, uh, but because you're giving this stuff in advance, your staff arrive already with a real concept of it, and then you can spend the time in person to actually go through the nuanced uh, you know, experience of actually how to clip things or unclip things or, or do the things that are much harder to show in video. Uh, the key is that they're going to come much better prepared and the time you need in person training for will be reduced uh, by a large amount. Chad, anything to add on that? Yeah, I would, I would, I would say the, the two, P, two very clear parts that I see um, not being trained online, but very much complementing is when someone has to perform a skill that needs to be observed in person. Um, but all that training leading up to it can definitely be, you know, learned online and in practice by that individual. But when they need to prove in person that they can do a certain skill, um, that obviously can't necessarily be done online or it's much more challenging. Um, uh, perfect example, like all the first aid courses that are, that are online already, um, you can, you can go and do, but to actually pass the course, you know, often we'll, we, we're seeing people saying, um, that you have to show up in person uh, to do it. The other one, the other one that's tough to to do online and don't recommend is when there there needs to be very much two way engagement. Uh, you know, question answer, question answer, or or engagement of a class or group bonding together to create a team of some sort. Um, that can be challenging to create online. We see it happening with Zoom and meetings and, and, and events and stuff like that as well too, but it's definitely a little bit more challenging. So yeah, definitely yeah. the performance in person or certification in person performing a skill and then uh, team, team bonding and is are two areas. And, and one thing to keep in mind for all of you that's gonna be very important going forward is social distancing. So when you imagine your traditional training, I'd imagine, for example, when you're showing people how to hook in your guests, uh, how to climb in or an emergency procedure, you're usually huddled around in a small group showing them something and then maybe having them one by one uh, show you that they can do the, the procedure as well. Uh, but the nice thing about the video is you have the chance to show everybody this information up close and personal through video footage or other documents and then when they arrive on site, you can just test them and you can really create that social distancing as part of your training. So uh, we don't know how this is going to evolve, but there are lots of different ways to do this. And what we're going to dive into now is the how. So we've really talked about kind of the, the why and the what, um, but now we want to talk about how you can actually go about mapping your online training. We're going to get into some more examples of what this might look like for the high ropes industry or maybe the ski industry for those of you in the ski industry. Um, so basically, there are a few different phases that you're going to be thinking about. One is mapping out your online training. So deciding on what you want to train online, uh, how you're going to structure it, map it out. And then uh, going into that, you're going to have to organize it in a cloud-based program of some sort. 
we'll go through some of those and what that could look like. Uh, deciding what kind of format you're going to use, um, because there are lots of different formats um, depending on what type of information you're sharing. And then uh, finally creating, editing, and then uh, hosting or outsourcing that type of training. So uh, here we have uh, a couple of steps that you want to use to get started. The first one you want to do is to list out the roles of your company. So you're going to have various people. You're going to have office staff. You're going to have uh, different types of guides, perhaps. You're going to have um, maybe managers or people that are providing different types of experiences. Maybe you have a, a standard ropes course, maybe you have the expert ropes course. The content that's required for each of those will be slightly different. So what you want to do is then write down the required skills, knowledge, and systems that each person will need in that role and that responsibility. That will help you get a, a sense of the structure and the content that you're going to have to create. Chances are you might have this written down already for your in-person training, but if you haven't already, you'll want to get started in this way. When you're looking through that content then that you've created, you're saying, okay, they need to know all these skills. What have we already created? What do we have in digital format? What do we now do in uh, in-person format? Make a note of that. And it's going to help you uh, evolve from there. The, uh, then you're going to want to decide what of your in-person training should then be moved online. So uh, chances are the majority of your training is currently done in person, but there are definitely aspects of that that you want to move to an online format. Uh, so you'll want to highlight what those are. And then uh, you're going to want to also look at what you do not have built yet that needs to be built from scratch because that will be the next stage. We recommend starting with what you already have before going on to what you don't already have. Um, and so we'll go on to the next step. The next step is organizing your existing uh, content online. So what you want to do here is you want to pick a cloud-based uh, program to help host your online content. There's lots of different ways you can do this. It will depend also a little bit on what type of content you have, whether it's PDF resources, video resources, um, or sound clips, or whatever else you're using. Um, and we're going to get into some more specific examples as we go forward. But some of the typical cloud-based programs that you could use to host your files are Google Drive, Amazon Drive, uh, Box, Citrix, Dropbox, uh, some other ones called Mediafire and OneDrive, SugarSync, uh, Trezorit. There are so many different options. It will depend on you and how much money you want to be spending on this. There are lots of free options with limited functionality, and then there are ones that are paid for that have a lot more functionality. Uh, again, we're going to talk a little bit about that in the context of the individual file types a little bit later. Uh, but basically what you want to do is take that content that you have and organize it into files. What we generally recommend doing is organizing it by what is company-wide. What do they have to know company-wide? Policies and procedures might be one of them. Um, about the company, uh, listing out the roles and the structures of the company, a welcome message from the founder or the management team. All of those things could be done in general for anybody that's uh, joining the company. And then you're going to have the individual job um, responsibilities. And so those will be organized separately. And that way you can very easily distribute, okay, you've come on board. Here's the content for all of uh, our employees. And then here's the content specific to your job. And then finally, what we highly recommend doing is that uh, many managers uh, often have gaps in the training programs. You have an idea of what, what goes in there and you've mapped it out, but we also recommend surveying your employees. So what you should be doing is finding out what kind of things are missing from the training. Uh, ask them what they wish they would have, your existing employees, ask them what they wish they would have had as part of their training, what they were missing. Ask them to maybe share one or two pieces of advice that they would like to share with anybody incoming to the company. Um, and then you might want to consider having a feedback box or a feedback folder where people can constantly drop more information as the year goes on. Uh, and that way you're going to start filling those gaps and then really improving your online training program. 
So uh, as you go forward, the next step would be to decide on what format you're using for each of these things you're moving online. So there are lots of different ways you can go about this. Uh, one that uh, comes to mind for a lot of you, and when you come to the complexity of processes for high ropes courses, or maybe for ski industry positions, you will probably want to have videos as part of that training. So this could be a recording of a person or a process where you're just filming with a camera and, uh, and documenting the procedure. If it's something detail-oriented, where you're trying to show something uh, like how a clip works, make sure you're zooming in. You don't want to go too far back because they're not going to get the value out of that kind of footage. You want to go in and show that kind of procedure upfront and personal the same way the viewer would normally do so with their eyes. Uh, another thing that you, and so the, the kind of things that you'll be using this for, of course, uh, things that might want to have more of a personal touch, uh, but things that are better explained with hand gestures or with some kind of personal energy, uh, things that are shown by example, the things that are uh, processes that need to be seen visually, and uh, maybe an introduction for your staff. Th those are all great things to have on video. The next thing would be video or screen share. This is best used for when you're trying to show how maybe a software program works, your payroll system, your scheduling software, things that they're using on the computer. Um, if they're you know, trying to schedule time off, these can all be done with screen share uh, programs and you can record it and show them how to do that. There's no need to do this in person at all. Uh, there's lots of programs you can use. Many of them are free, OBS Studio, Flashback Express, Ice Cream Screen Recorder, Screencast, Omatic, the list goes on. There's, there's lots of different programs. The point is, uh, these kind of things that are time intensive and take up a lot of time in your in-person training, put it online uh, and, and that will save you time and, and really help your staff. Slide presentations like this one are often great when you are trying to share a lot of information in a clear way, bullet points. Um, you want them to be able to revisit the content. If you want to give a re visual representation of data or concepts, they, this can be useful. If you're guiding a team through a company policy or procedure, these kind of slideshows can be effective as well. And then if you want to give an overview of your product types or your, let's say, your different types of tours or rope experiences, these could all be done in this kind of format. Um, you, of course, have the, the typical PowerPoint uh, presentation. You also have things like Google Slides. Prezi is a new uh, program out there. They're, they're all great. But uh, the point is there's technology there that you can use. Live conferences, this is another uh, format you can use for your online training, and this is uh, really great if you're trying to update your team quickly. I imagine a lot of you have been using this in the recent times when you're trying to host a meeting with your staff, you have a Zoom meeting, uh, but you're basically just trying to onboard your team with a personal message, uh, and this is done through these kind of live conference events. It's also uh, great if you're sharing information that you would likely only share one time. So if it's a complex procedure, this is not a great format because they might only visit it one time, but if it's a video recording that they can revisit over and over again, that might, might be more effective. If you're trying to create a personal note, this is a great way to do it. And then uh, finally, if you want interaction, this allows you to interact with your team as they can ask questions in a live Q&A session. Um, different programs here, Zoom being the, the one that uh, a lot of people are using, the one we're on now. You can also use Skype Business, Microsoft Teams, Google Meet, uh, Facebook Live is creating uh, new experiences, Webinar Jam, the list goes on. Um, but, but there are lots of tools that are also free uh, that you can use, so, so uh, resources are there. In terms of PDFs um, and, and Word documents, these are best used if you are trying to share a document or a process. Uh, this could be anything like directions or scripts. If you have a welcome script or a goodbye script or a safety script, these things can easily be put in online formats and shared with your team. Um, if it's anything you want them to revisit regularly, we highly recommend having at least one version in a PDF document or a Word document that they can go back to over and over again. 
Um, Chad was mentioned this earlier. Some things just slip out in their interpersonal training, uh, but if you want them to revisit later on, they like an accidental procedure is a great example. Move those online. Um, living documents, these are things that your team can update. So if you want something that your team is constantly adding to, like a frequently asked questions document, have that online. And uh, FAQ is the same kind of thing. So you mentioned uh, all of those um, online training options have, are really great for different types of training, but would Correct. you recommend um, utilizing a variety of them, not only for the different types of training, but also for people who learn differently? I know that was brought up on an ACCT huddle recently uh, with concerns about people who may be more experiential learners or visual, um, et cetera. Yeah, that's a great insight. This this really depends on how important it is as part of your training, um, especially for concepts that you want to make sure everybody is grasping in detail. It is really smart to do it in multiple different formats, uh, especially when it comes to things like safety, high ropes courses, are, are, that's going to be very important. Uh, you're going to want to have videos as well as PDF documents because some people will prefer one over the other. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Um, you will want to be careful uh, not all of your files should be duplicated in multiple formats. It's just too time intensive, uh, but for the things that are most important. And um, yeah, I, I, would, I would absolutely say so. Chad? Yeah, so uh, yeah. I fully, fully agree that so. absolutely there are different learning styles and, and, and um, online learning can address, uh, you can create you know, different, uh, different learning styles on there, but, um, but it, there's the one, the one that it definitely can't fully replace is the, is the in-person um, you know, presentation in front of somebody else, uh, watching them and doing it. But what, uh, what I have seen is a lot, you know, especially when it includes gear of any sort is that if the gear is in front of that person, the videos and training can, can still walk that person through being able to, you know, use that, use that gear, you know, in, in whatever format and whatever way that you want them to, uh, whether it's safety or just how to put it on properly and, 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 and know that it's on prop and, and being used properly. Uh, as long as that, that gear is in front of them, they can, they can practice along with the videos or they can be paused, told to pause at a certain moment in time uh, to go through that process with the gear themselves and, and learn. So it, you do have to get creative. Um, a lot, what I find is uh, we, we kind of find is a lot of people really uh, have, have only seen YouTube videos and, and that's kind of what they think online learning, that's the, the limit of online learning. Uh, but there's many, many different ways to include it. There's, there are absolutely things that cannot be done and should be done in person, but, but it is amazing how creative people uh, have been getting in being able to address those different uh, learning styles online. Yeah, one, one example that comes to mind for the ski industry, I, I was a snowboarding instructor at Vail Resorts many years ago, and they had a great in-person training program, multiple weeks long, where they guided you through their kind of step-by-step -step series for beginners, and then they had you work with each other to, to experience it firsthand and then, um, and then really learn how to do it. But I think what in the modern day would be very effective as well is having A, a manual that you can read, B, watching videos of people doing it, and then see when you arrive on site, you just need that much less time to go out there and do it in person. Uh, so, so this is true for a lot of different procedures that you have in uh, the high ropes industry, uh, but, but also in anything that involves active travel, like Chad said, with equipment or, or uh, policies and, and 
procedures. But uh, the the key is that it's not replacing a lot of that in-person stuff. It's complementing it. It's reducing the need for in-person training uh, time uh, and possibly in this case for social distancing uh, being very practical as well. Yeah. The only thing I would add to that is is the... <laughs> we, I'm sure you guys have anybody that has dealt with training uh, in in any sort of fashion is that you, people come and go in your company. You obviously have individuals that are just like absolute rock stars that you're like, I wish I could just keep them forever because the way they do it is just so perfect and on point and whatever it might be. Um, and, and online training can capture that. And, and you can be able to use it over and over again uh, versus going through different things. You can also mix it up and use different people uh, that have strengths in different areas uh, rather than using one person that may be very strong here and not in these other subject matter areas. Uh, so it's, it, it's also, it allows a lot more flexibility when it comes to, to that. Point. So just a, a couple of points here toward the end now. So we talked about really, you know, what it is and then some of the different, ways you can do the online training, but ultimately it comes now to the point of creating the content. So depending on what format you're using, uh, this will change and there's lots of different tools that uh, you can use. Uh, but one thing that we always recommend keeping in mind the way you would with your in-person training, it's a reflection of your company. So when it comes to digital documents, the same policies apply. Make sure they're clean, avoid spelling errors, uh, know that the professionalism of your videos in some way is a reflection of your company. It also gives you a chance of a first impression, creating a cultural uh, energy, having that interpersonal message from your management or your, uh, your founders. Having those can really complement your, uh, your online training. The other thing is, of course, to be professional, the same way you would with in-person training, especially because this content can be revisited, uh, you know, to avoid anything that's controversial, uh, that, that can get you into trouble if, if your, your, your staff tends to be more casual in their training program. Uh, what we also say, though, is don't get caught too much up in the detail. The, the first point is to get this online. It's a working document. You're going to be changing these things as you go. It's not going to be perfect in your first rendition. But if you get something up there, get the, the process started to move some of your training online, the rest will follow. So don't be overwhelmed by the grand vision of a perfect training program, but just think of this in chunks and start uh, the pr processes you can start with, the things that you already have uh, training for, uh, maybe the documents you already have in an online format, and then start building from there. Uh, you want to bring your, your energy into it. Uh, don't be falling asleep in, in the uh, videos. Uh, the other thing that we want to mention that we didn't get so much into here is what kind of hosting you do with videos. So there are lots of different programs you can use to host files that we mentioned earlier, the cloud-based uh, programs, but a lot of people have migrated to what is called an LMS or learning management system. So there's lots of different cool LMS uh, programs out there, Teachable, Thinkific, Thought Industries, uh, there's, there's a bunch. But what this allows you to do is organize your content online in a very professional uh, format. You can kind of block what videos are seen by who. You can see completion rates of uh, how much each employee has seen. You can put in quizzes at the end of the uh, modules so you can really get a sense of who has actually finished and completed your training program. You can make scheduling dependent on this. So if they have not finished uh, one aspect of your training, they are not actually, let's say it's a more com complicated ropes course. If they haven't finished your advanced ropes course training, then they would not be able to lead that kind of experience, for example. So you can set that all up digitally. Uh, they come up with different costs, but there are some free versions out there. And then finally, I'd like to say that if, if there's things that you can't do yourself, 
because it just takes too much time to build, consider outsourcing some of that. So this could be hard uh, skills training. Uh, there's various programs out there in the world that, that provide training for different types of uh, skills, but then also soft skills training. Um, if you lack the expertise internally, either through your trainers or the time to build things, just consider outsourcing opportunities for that type of training. And then also if it saves you money. Thanks so much, Ingo and Chad. That was um, a great sort of um, set up on, on how to um, sort of think through taking this step that we may all have to do because of the current situation and in doing more digital training. So thanks so much for that overview. Um, we are going to transition to um, Paul Talner, who is the founder and CEO of High Peaks Group. He's a leadership consultant um, and he helps teams work together to become more effective. So, you know, we were thinking, you know, that Chad and Ingo are talking through the things that you can do digitally in advance of them arriving. And, and but you still have to have that consideration of when they eventually come on site. You um, have some considerations, especially given the current landscape of trying to quickly um, form that team to be effective um, to quickly make up lost ground at your business. And, and that's not just something that just happens without thought. Yeah. Thanks. Um, this really is intended to be a little bit of a macro level, high level view of some things to keep in mind as you um, think about the folks that are coming back to your, your resorts and areas and parks uh, over the next several months and maybe even beyond into into uh, second or third quarter from now. Paul shared the People Recovery Playbook, which is available for download at www.adventureparkinsider.com slash huddle. So um, the, everybody's talking about how we get back to the new normal. And I think one thing we should kind of keep in mind is that the new normal is, is very much, we, we've redefined what normal is now. This term VUCA, uh, if you don't know, it's, it's a military term that stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And that's kind of where we are. And my guess is that's where we're going to be for quite some time. And um, ensuring that well-trained teams, as those that Chad and Ingo have been talking about, are not only you know, versed in all the things that you need them to know, they're also adaptive and ready and, and capable of um, adjusting as this world continues to evolve and change around us all the time. So uh, I think it's really important that, and probably serendipitous, that we're kind of talking about this together. So let's just talk, talk a little bit about some of the ideas that your organizations can do right now to get your people ready for the, the, this weird future. So over the short term, but basically what um, is important for you to think about with respect to your, or your people now is uh, three, four things. Uh, care is the most important acronym. Uh, you should really be caring for your people all the time, of course, but in, in now in particular, in these specific ways. So uh, communicating regularly and clearly with them, uh, avoiding kind of corporate speak and just kind of talking to them like a, in plain spoken language, I think is gonna be really critical and important. Um, being agile and agile to, in the sense of uh, providing a little bit more flexibility and autonomy to your teams as, as, as you kind of are required to solve problems that you didn't even know you needed to solve. Um, you know, teams are going to be giving you and your people are going to be giving you the ideas that you might not be able to think about on your own. So uh, ensuring that they're as uh, free to provide those ideas as possible is really critical. Um, 
redesigning a lot of things. You're, I'm sure everybody's redesigning everything from uh, all of their marketing to how people show up to how you know training's done, obviously. Um, but you know, redefining and redesigning all of your processes with respect to how you bring these great people into your system, the new new employees and things, so that they can be well trained, is going to be critical as well. And then finally, empathy. Uh, you know, recognizing that everybody that you're interacting with, especially new employees, uh, are have gone through at least as much as you have, potentially even more. And just being being prepared to uh, uh, recognize that and give people and yourself a little bit of of a break as things go forward. Um, I'll skip ahead to another uh, this longer term focus. So as the kind of summer wears on and you get into the next you know, thinking even beyond just sort of this immediate um, kind of challenge that we're all facing, I think it's important to think about climbing, right? So this is, um, you know, a little bit more long-term and pragmatic view here of coordinating, right? So as you, um, making sure that as, as you are learning new things and its processes become a little bit more routine, um, in, on, on the individual side that you're kind of learning from that and making sure people can embed and, and, and work together well uh, for all of those things. Uh, learning, um, you know, that doesn't mean what are your people learning? It means what are you learning about your people, for instance? So what types of patterns are you seeing among your best and brightest and most capable folks? Um, what, what are you observing? What can you take from this experience now about what you're seeing in your folks? And, and use it going forward. Um, I think that's going to be really critical for leaders to keep a close eye on their folks, uh, not just for care, but for um, improving and accelerating performance in the organization going forward. Two quick, uh, last three things really quickly. Um, placing small bets on people is really an important thing. That doesn't necessarily mean uh, I mean, I think the, the investments of tra in training is important, but also th those many investments that any leader can make in terms of just um, giving people more opportunity and more responsibility, uh, lateral assignments, you know, uh, getting, giving them more access to strategic uh, decision making and things like that. These are many investments you can make in people that don't cost anything that can um, create a very dynamic and sticky culture that people want to come back to over and over again because you care about them. Um, measurement is another key thing with respect to people. Um, uh, I, it, I don't, I have a, I have a personal point of view on what, what should and, and ought to be measured, but I think just being super clear on how you define success and, and, and what, what, what you mean when you, when you say we expect high performance from people and our teams and, and our individuals. Uh, so sort of the next step of, of being well-trained is sort of execution and how do you know they're executing well, at least having critical, uh, having some thoughts around what, what what success looks like is really critical and making sure you can measure that and you're fair and equitable across all of your people. And then finally, the last thing is uh, building. So as this, as we kind of, kind of cobble together all of our new systems and processes, you know, we're going to have to take what works and, and kind of scaffold it up, right? So we're kind of starting from a new foundation um, and as things begin to work uh, and we see repeatable success in some of these things that we're doing with our teams and individuals, uh, building is going to be uh, and rebuilding is is critical. Whether it's your your training programs, building in a new way with new 
tools and, and, and materials like online training, for instance, uh, building all of these things in new ways is going to be super critical. So that's the, that's the um, uh, kind of my kind of very, very abbreviated version of what the people recovery playbook uh, could look like. Some quick action steps for you as leaders. Uh, you know, don't leave everything out, out on the field. I know everybody always says you should, you know, give it your all every single day. I'd say give it 95% every day. Uh, you don't want to bonk and, uh, you know, go to the wall and, and hit it uh, and then have nothing left for yourself, your family, or anybody else. Uh, I would say uh, think about active recovery for yourself. Um, think about your employees and, and what kind of care you can provide to them. Uh, let them know what's going on. Be really clear, even if even if you can't give them everything they demand or want, uh, you can give them clarity. Um, making sure your teams are are well taken care of as well. You know we're we're all going through a lot of change right now. Teams are forming and reforming constantly around us. We've got new people, different people, different configurations. Uh, being sure that um, those teams are set up properly is going to be really important to to uh, manage this. VUCA world that we're in. Um, and then finally with uh, HR, if you haven't already, just kind of considering, um, you know, uh, HR and more of a strategic role in, in the work that you do. I've been really encouraged to see lots of general managers of different organizations partnering up with their, you know, directors of HR, chief HR officers to really come up with uh, great game plans going forward. It's good to see that that strategic conversation happening. That's, that's That would be my five-minute summary and five-minute advice for everybody. Thanks, Paul. Um, so we are getting close to um, the end of our conversation, but I did have one question that I'd like to pose to all three of you. You know, we've gone through a lot of information in the past hour, uh, especially in terms of you know, getting started with digital training. If you had kind of one first step piece of advice for operators who are looking at both the functionality of digital training and getting started there as well as you know how to really make sure that their teams are effective and ready to hit the ground running once uh, operations start to open up uh, what would that one kind of piece of advice starting point be uh, Chad and Ingo why don't we start with you guys I think just starting the process is probably the the easy answer a lot of people just feel overwhelmed because they have this grand vision of what it's supposed to look like when it's all finished. And I think the key here is if you start moving documents one by one, make them online accessible. Uh, before you know it, you're going to have quite a bit of your online training put together and it's going to let you train remotely. It's going to let people access material more regularly uh, and hopefully over time create just a better training program overall. So uh, that's probably uh, my answer is just get started with the, the documents you already have and then start building. Yeah, start, start small for sure. Uh, it's in, and I, and like, I, I see this with even in-person training, you know, how over time, you know, in the beginning it was, it's, it's just in-person and there's no, no other materials that are involved. Then the in-person training went to slideshows where, you know, where the presenter was speaking and referring to things on, on a slide deck, um, that was being projected. Um, the, and then moved to, you know, incorporating videos within that slide deck to, to reiterate or kind of show examples of scenarios and things. So you can see the evolution that, that happens. And a lot of that content that's being projected is already, is really just taking that and putting it online and then clicking record to do the presentation once and boom, you've got an online training program. So the, it does seem like a daunting task when you see something that is professionally done and polished but that usually has 
had multiple iterations. So I definitely say what, uh, recommend what Ingo was saying is start small, take the first step, um, and use what you already have. Thank you. And Paul, in terms of you know, making sure that your teams are motivated and effective once they come back into uh, the in-person environment, uh, what, is, what is your kind of one piece of advice for operators just to get in that kind of strategic mindset? Yeah, I would say um, uh, make sure that you provide clarity and uh, revisit your group norms. Those are the two things I would do because the, the uh, world around us has changed so much that, you know, everybody's kind of anticipating and expecting everything to be different and it will be. Uh, so the, if, if you walk in assuming that everybody's just going to pick up where they left off uh, and, and operate under the same kind of got rules and norms and kind of ways of working that they always have, I think that that'll be a big mistake. So I think just taking a minute at the front end when everybody gets together to say, hey, you know, let's let's talk about how we're going to do this this team thing, um, and what what what's the purpose of this team? What are we all about? How are we going to do this? Let's get clear on that first, and then start executing. I think that'll save people a lot of pain and heartache uh, down the line. Digital training can be a great tool to complement the in-person skill building necessary for guides and frontline adventure staff. The trick is really just getting started. We will be doing these calls weekly for as long as they make sense. Each call is open to the industry, so if you'd like to participate or if you have a question or topic you think we should cover, email huddle at adventureparkinsider.com. In the meantime, check out our coronavirus impact pages on both the SAM and API websites with content to help you navigate the crisis. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The PodSAM advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Wintry Mix podcast guy. I am Sarah Bordeev, and thank you for listening to PodSAM.